0: Right now, it's time for a white coat Wednesday, which means we bring in our medical correspondent, Dr. Mitch Schulman. Good morning, Dr. Mitch. Good morning. Just dusting off the white coat and putting it on. There you go. Uh, so <laughs> apparently doctors are being warned to uh, look out for flesh-eating bacteria. Is there nothing this world isn't cooking up to conspire against us?
1: Don't worry about it. It's Verbio vulnificus. It's um, a member of the same family that causes cholera. And basically, it's usually a problem in the Gulf of Mexico or places like that where the water is salty but getting less salty and warm. And as the warming trend continues, the bug that would normally just be happy living in an oyster in the Gulf of Mexico is now living in a clam in the Chesapeake Bay and moving up the coast that way. And basically, it's major source of a disease is the type of thing you're worried about when they say not to eat raw clams or oysters or things like that. This is the bug that causes the tummy problems, the nausea, vomiting, and diarrhea, which in severe forms is cholera. Um, But if it should, if you should be swimming in brackish water or salty water that's infected with this bug, and again, you're probably not going to see it in Canada, but you will see this if you venture down to the States. It can get in through any cuts in your skin, and then it can cause a wound infection, and that wound infection can, in some occasions, go on to be uh, what they call flesh-eating uh, disease, which is just very aggressive a form of attack of your skin by a bug. In this case, Vibrio vulnificus. So, just a word of warning for us, those of us who are physicians, to remember that the bug is no longer limited to the warm waters of the Gulf of Mexico. But if we have people coming back from, oh, I don't know, North Carolina or from uh, the Atlantic coast or off New Jersey, mm-hmm. uh, they and they come in with a rip roaring wound infection. To think about it as a possible bug, so
0: you orient your antibiotic coverage appropriately. Digital puzzle games may improve memory in older adults. I guess this is just the most recent research because I still remember when my folks were alive and I was telling them, you know, do those crossword puzzles, stay busy, keep your mind going.
1: Exactly, exactly, and this shows just the difference between older people and younger people. In this uh, uh, report in the journal Hellion, they basically looked at younger people and older people and found for younger people strategy games, games where they had to plan and plot, you know, a few moves in advance. Those were the things that helped them maintain and develop their working memory. Your working memory is what you hold in your mind to do a task. If you're building uh, that, uh, that cabinet and following the instructions, what you're keeping in your mind, is you do step-by-step-by-step. That's your working memory. In older people, they found, though, if they did puzzle games, digital puzzle games, Sudoku, word puzzles, those were the things that really helped them to develop. So a difference in that age span, 18 to 30 versus 30 and above, but certainly another uh, basic proof that using your brain, whether it's to read or to sort out puzzles or to play these types of digital puzzle games, may do you some benefit in terms of helping to improve your memory as you get older. I have to confess,
0: I can't stand puzzles, Doctor Mitch. And
1: <laughs> like with Wordle, <laughs> it's just I, give me the word,
0: just. Give me the five-letter word. You
1: and I are the ex- the exact same way. I find them no, just yeah. Let me get to work. Don't don't waste my time. <laughs> yeah.
0: So uh, melatonin. I know that uh, some people used to tell me it's a great way to get over jet lag. But uh, what about melatonin and memory formation?
1: So basically, when you go to bed, when you become sleepy, it's because levels of melatonin have naturally built up inside your body. And one of the things that interferes with melatonin production is light. So if you're exposed to light, you may find it more difficult to fall asleep or stay up later. Well, we've used that for a long time to try and help people to fall asleep or if they're suffering from jet lag, which is a shift in their normal body's rhythms. Well, it turns out melatonin may be involved in the fact that when you sleep, you form your membrane. And you form your memories stronger. That's why if you study just before you go to bed, you're more likely to remember the stuff that you were studying the next day when you wake up. So the question is, could melatonin on its own just help to boost memory? Now, this is a mouse experiment, and it did seem to work there. It's going to be a huge leap going from a mouse experiment in a maze or recognizing something that's familiar or not familiar to something that will help you and me retain memory of things that we want to memorize and prepare for the next day. So we'll have to wait and see on this one. So if you're using melatonin to help you sleep, that's one thing. Don't use it as a memory
0: boost yet. It might but not yet. Okay. Uh, And finally, some new tests are suggesting that the new COVID-19 variant everyone's talking about that is expected to spread this fall with everybody going back to school and back to indoors uh, may actually be less contagious and less immune evasive. Okay, so what does that mean?
1: So this is what we were talking about early on in the pandemic when I said we were getting information too soon, and it was hitting our brains, our eyes, our minds before anyone has had a chance to really assess what's going on. Well, this new variant, which goes under various names, the BA 2.86, will do for now, the great-great-great-great-grandchild of Omicron scared people because when we were first seeing it pop up in Denmark and the UK and in Michigan and now in British Columbia, it seemed to have 30 brand new mutations. Oh my God, this will be another game changer like Omicron. And now they're starting to do, actually do the research. And so far, the research seems to indicate that nah, maybe not. We're going to have to wait and see. And again, this is, you know, the initial fear. And then two or three weeks later, the actual information. And we, we, we said this earlier on. One of the problems right now is we need to give people a chance to Analyze to do the research to actually put things in perspective. So yes, it's good to know what's going on, but I wouldn't panic. And as I'm trying to convey an idea that follow what's going on, yeah, but just be aware. Don't let it don't let it freak you out.
0: Yeah, all right. Thanks a lot, sir. Good to have you. Always a pleasure. You have a great day. That's our medical correspondent, Dr. Mitch Showman.